Welcome to Raw. <laughs> I love getting these people's faces. We got Timmy back there as usual. T Dog, how you doing? Doing good. How you doing? Good, good. And today we have Rich, the man, Davy. I don't know about the man, but the rest of it's right. How's that cold treating you? Uh, I'm getting all right. I'm uh, I'm okay. Not not bad. I'm getting better. We really didn't have a uh, didn't have a warm up to this uh, crazy ass weather here. No, we haven't had a fall. Here in Cincinnati. It went from summer and October to damn near winter. Yeah. That's Par for the course around here, I suppose. You know, if that's one thing the internet has bright, it's the memes. Probably it's true. The Cincinnati yeah. memes. Yeah. That yeah, is the one thing. There's no shortage of uh, material for those. No, so, no, yeah. it's it's beautiful. However, you brought me coffee, and though I greatly appreciate it, where's the Metropoles, bro? Uh, you know, if I could have gotten down there and gotten a few. I absolutely would have. That's that's the best. That might be the best drink in Cincinnati. <laughs> it is the best. It, yeah. It's a hidden gem. Yeah. Well, it, you gotta know. You gotta know to order. It's not on the menu anymore, man. Why don't you tell everybody where it is? I tell everybody. Anybody who asks for where they want to go, where to go downtown for some pregame cocktails, get up onto that rooftop at the Metropole. Well, probably a little cold now, but it's, don't yeah. look at the menu. Just ask for a Metropole. They'll get it to you. Yeah. It's absolutely fantastic. It's candy. And I think just because we mentioned that, we should get advertisement money. What do you think, Tim? I'll I'll get on that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. You grew up in Chicago, right? No, no, I no. didn't. I moved to I moved to Cincinnati from Chicago. Okay. I grew up in uh, in Lima, Ohio, about no, two hours lame. north of here. No one cares about that. That's yeah. It's yeah. not nearly as yeah. interesting. Yeah, I always tell people Lima is a great place to be from because it means you left. <laughs> But, uh, no, I was in Chicago for four years before coming here to Cincinnati, which is obviously why you think that. Right. And I'm, right. A, and I'm a Chicago sports fan. Yeah, so. that doesn't help. Well, at least you guys finally won something. Finally, right? It's been About a while. Time. Well, it's all we needed. I just needed one. <laughs> just one? I just needed one for my lifetime. I figure, I figure if my dad didn't get one, uh, I should be grateful for the one. I'll take it and, that makes I'll sense. Take it and run. So... Being from Chicago, how does the weather here compare to up there with this cold? Because there's been people from, uh, let's see, even Alaska, when I was up there, some of the locals up there said that the cold here is just different. Yeah, I, I, the, I would say that Chicago's colder, and obviously it's because of the wind. That's, mm -hmm. the big, that's the big part of it. And, you know, interesting thing, people think Chicago's called the Windy City because of the wind coming off the lake. That's actually not where the name came from. Uh, early 1900s, maybe like the 1920s, uh, it got the nickname the Windy City because uh, how politicians would so easily and quickly switch sides on a on an issue because they were being bought, presumably, for their vote. Which one is that? Being uh, the politicians uh, earned Chicago the name the Windy City because they switched sides by the blow of the wind. Anyway. Um, a lot of wind, no doubt about that. Not not that much snow, although they do get some snow. Yeah. Um, but the the cold is the cold is bitter. There's no doubt about it. It's not as I don't think it's as anywhere near as bitter here. No. I, no. 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 I'd I'd much rather go through a Cincinnati a Cincinnati winter. Although some people will say, right, it's always gray. Yeah. 
I think there's probably more sun in Chicago, but I'll I'll take I'll take a Cincinnati winter over a Chicago winter anytime. It does kind of seem like we've become the uh, new Seattle, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> well, like, I don't think we had much sunshine the summer, you know, whatever. Like it was kind of it's always been recently anyway. It's always kind of seemed, I don't know, sad, yeah. gloomy. <laughs> Yeah, in the winter around here, it sure, it, it certainly is. Um, I've only been to, Se- to Seattle twice, and both times it was some of the most glorious weather I've ever seen. But that was during the summer. I've n- I've never actually seen it rain in Seattle, which is right. It's totally backwards. Yeah, that's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. You mentioned your dad. Mm-hmm. Where's your guys's heritage from? So um, my father, uh, born in Nebraska. Uh, his family is Welsh. Or th- that's the, the the origination of the Davy side of it. My mother is Colombian. Okay. And so that entire side is from uh, from Bogota, Colombia. Um, so I'm sort of a I'm sort of a mix between those two. But my yeah, my dad's Eastern European heritage. Yeah. And he was a Spanish professor, right? He was. He taught uh, he taught Spanish. For 35 years, uh, 30 of it at a school. That's why I grew up in Lima. Uh, small Methodist private college called Ohio Northern University. Uh, he taught there for 30 years. And he forced you to learn Spanish. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, how do, you, how do you force a newborn to learn? To, you know, uh, In the house, my parents were still together at the time, so um, I wasn't forced to learn Spanish. You just did because that's what was spoken. There were, nobody spoke English in my house. At the time, did your I mean obviously your mom knew English too, right? Yeah, she spoke English, but she wasn't great at it for sure. Yeah. And then so my parents decided, well, we're just going to speak Spanish in the house, and he'll learn that because living in Ohio, he's bound to learn English anyway. Right. And so I just very naturally became bilingual. It's one of those yeah. things where I don't like if you're sitting here talking to me in English, right? And if my dad were here talking to me in Spanish. And you were both talking to me at the same time. There's no translation going on. Just like you understand me. Like you don't think about the words I'm saying. You just innately understand what I'm saying. If he were doing the same thing to me in Spanish, the same thing would happen. I wouldn't have to translate one from one to the other either way. So you just get it. Yeah, I just get it. That's the one thing I wish like my parents did for me was (laughs) when since I was young, put me in something. I don't care what it would have been. Sign language, uh, Spanish, yeah, Japanese. I don't, I don't, I don't care. Yeah, just uh, you miss that learning curve, right? Right. Yeah. Well, it's a lot <laughs> the natural. Yeah. That's learning what they say, curve. right? It's a lot easier to learn the language young yeah. than than as an adult, and that's certainly true. Has being bilingual helped? Um, I don't know about help. I mean, I've got, you know, I'm a real estate agent here in Cincinnati, and I've had some Spanish speaking clients, and. You know, every once in a while, like, I, I, you know, my most recent one, um, they came to me uh, because they were uh, not particularly happy with the agent that they had, were currently working with because they didn't seem to, I, I think there was a communication issue there. And as soon as I heard their name, I just asked them, do you, do you guys speak Spanish? Mm-hmm. And you could just see, like, all of a sudden the smiles on their faces, like, they're, they're yeah, this is going to be our guy. Right. Because I could speak in their first language with them and they understood things a lot better. So it's been somewhat helpful there, like, but mostly for the most for the, for the most part, I, I don't know how much I would say it's been helpful. Uh, more as much as it's just been 
sort of an interesting fact about me. I'm always still amazed at how many people don't know that I even speak Spanish. But I mean, I don't look it, well, I don't sound it, I don't have the your accent last name's anymore. Not yeah, even. exactly. I mean, but but it's just one of those things that I've always just grown up as. Oh, that's the guy that also speaks Spanish. <laughs> you know, ever since I was a little kid, everybody knew it. So, so um, you're up there in Lima, Lima, whatever, Lima, yeah. Lima, Lima. You know, yeah. and people are calling you the s- <laughs> the that's guy that also speaks. Yeah, Spanish. They, I mean, they know. They just everybody knew. Everybody knew. Here's a funny thing. So my name, Rich Davy. There was a kid, he was a one-year-old, a good friend of mine. His name was Mitch Davy, but he spelled his last name slightly different. His parents were of Spanish descent, and everybody thought Mitch spoke Spanish. Mitch didn't speak a lick, not a word. Yeah. Not a word of Spanish, but everybody just always assumed. And he, you know, he had the, the darker complexion, and, and everybody just thought, like, that's the guy that speaks. No, it wasn't Mitch. It was always me. But everybody got us confused. You're special. Oh, I don't know about that. Real estate. Have you always been an agent? No. Um, I first became an agent in 2001 when I moved here from Chicago. Uh, before that, and even for a little time while I was here, I was actually I was an actuary for property and casualty insurance. Yeah, I know this just completely. <laughs> this makes your podcast just completely blow up because nobody wants to talk actuarial tables and math. I get it. I get it. Why would you even want to study math? <laughs> well, I was good at it. That's the first thing. I mean, we kind of gravitate to what we're good at. And so, uh, so yeah, I was, gonna, I was always going to go to college to be a math major. <clears throat> and then uh, late in high school, uh, somebody came along and kind of introduced me to the, the world of being an actuary. And I thought, that sounds pretty good. You, it's a good, good profession, low right. stress, high salary. How do, how do you beat that, right? Especially coming from you. Like, you completely understand. That's that's your goal. That's, that's it, man. You are looking for the lowest stressed, highest paid job out there. I mean, that's just kind of your MO. But We're going to so, find so, it. So, so you, yeah, right. <laughs> We're going to find it. Okay, good luck. Um, so, no, I got, I was an actuary, and that's when I was in Chicago. Uh, I worked for Allstate Insurance. Um, then we left, and then I, I worked for Great American for a little while here in Cincinnati, but... Yeah, I was an actuary for a total of 12 years, but part of that time, like I said, here in Cincinnati, there was a bit of crossover where I was, uh, I still had my license, although my wife was handling most of everything. She was an agent at the time as well. Uh, When I was, when I was working as an actuary here in Cincinnati, she kind of handled all that, all the real estate stuff. So your wife is licensed then? Well, she was at the time. Um, She, uh, she was a licensed agent for, for 12 years. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I didn't actually know that. Didn't you? No. Yeah. I had no well, idea. when she when she took the job here, when she took the different job here, um, the company actually required her to put her her license in escrow. She wasn't allowed to have mm-hmm. an active license mm-hmm. when she was working here as an employee versus yep. us as an independent contractor. Right. Um, just because she had so much access to data and client names and phone sure. numbers and that emails and all that kind of stuff she she they wouldn't let her have the ability to do anything with it because she wouldn't have a license that was active that makes sense yeah with actuaries you have to pass a certain number of exams right yeah there's a, a, a full-blown exam process after you graduate from college um and it's changed over the over the years uh back when i was Take, when I was doing the job, there were nine exams. Okay. Um, the first four, 
pretty pretty first three or four pretty math uh heavy uh and then after that they became more insurance related exams mm. um a couple of them the first ones offered twice a year and then the later ones the last four f- last four or five five the last five of them uh, only offered one time a year yeah so you had one crack at it and then if you didn't pass it you had to wait a full year for it to come back around and take it again that sucks so yeah the average the, uh, they, they used to say that the average sort of travel time through the exam process was uh, somewhere between seven and eight years yeah and I don't think a lot of kids know that when they come out of college um, I just I always used to joke that if I'd known I was going to be studying for actuarial exams for that long <laughs> I'd have just gone to med school <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> you sitting there. I mean, yeah, I would have come out with a ton of debt, but I'd have made a lot more as a doctor as I would than I would have as an actuary. Did you pass all the exams? No, I never no. did. Um, I kind of stopped taking them for a while, uh, and then when I left the company, I when I left my last actuarial position, uh, I had not finished them all. But how high did you get? Uh, I got through the first five of nine. Five. No, of nine. six of nine. Six Sorry, of nine. excuse me, six of nine. So that's that low stress, high paying job, right? Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, you spend so much time at home studying, Mm -hmm. studying for these things because they're kind of graded on a curve. They're they're kind of designed to only pass the top 30 to 35 percent of the people who take it at any particular time. Oh, so they don't even have a number. It's not a score. It's no, it's not like uh, you hit this number and you pass. It's the they grade them and then they kind of like. They kind of look at the scores and they kind of decide. Well, that's kind of uh, there. We're going to draw the line right there, and that's everybody above it passes. Everybody below it fails, and then yeah. So you could do you could do really well on one day, uh, on on an exam one day and fail, and then the next year come out of it and think you completely bombed it. But if you did better than everybody else, you pass. It's it's kind of weird. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it keeps. I guess it keeps the field not saturated. Correct. It's that's I. I you, they would never admit this, but I think that's part of why they do what they do is to right. to sort of protect protect the the profession um, from having so many people in it that it drives salaries down. Right. Because if you're if you've only got so many people who have passed all their actuarial exams, they're going to be in demand. They're going to be able to demand higher salaries. They're going to be able to you know all that stuff. So. Right. Um, Part of it, I think, is that. But I think part of it also is to sort of just protect the integrity of the profession. Do you wish more professions were like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, no doubt about it. I, I think self-policing your own profession um, is, is in general, uh, a positive thing. Mm-hmm. As opposed to whether it's legislation from the government or just some other board you know i i think having fewer people um in some of these professions yeah i mean anyway um in some of these professions would protect again the integrity of the profession and and it would allow custom it would allow uh, the 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 customer or you know the 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 client more assurances that the person that they're going to be dealing with is a subject expert right right you're a real estate agent. I'm a real estate agent. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it. I think that our profession should have some type of checks and balances, personally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've I've always kind of jokingly said 
You don't have to be a rocket scientist to get a ra- uh, rocket scientist to get a, a real estate license. No. The exam process, the exams are pretty easy. Continuing education is a joke. It is a joke. I mean, as far as getting through it, I mean, it's, right. it's pretty simplistic. Um, it's just really a matter of do I have the patience to sit at my computer and click, 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 click. Right. Um, Which is kind of sad. It's yeah. kind of, I mean, it's great because we don't have to spend <laughs> right. all day doing it. Yeah. But it's kind of sad. I mean, that continuing education, ideally, we should want or get something out of. Right? Well, you still can. It's not. To, that's not to say that you can't devote your time and energy to really throwing yourself into the material and making it meaningful for you. I just don't think that. 99.9% of the agents out there do that. They look at as they look at it as a nuisance that needs to just simply be gotten through. Right. And so they look for the path of least resistance, which is totally understandable. That is because completely. the profession doesn't require an agent to to really worry about it much more than just getting through it. Right. Uh, if there was more of an emphasis on on valuing it, then then agents I think would. I mean, you 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 do what is required of you. Sure. Um, and right now, as far as continuing education in real estate, not that much is required. Yeah. How has technology changed the way that agents and loyalty and all that stuff is? Yeah. Um, so obviously, as an as a more experienced agent, uh, I love all the technology changes that have occurred. Uh, it just makes my life simpler and more complicated, right? Because, you know, uh, back in the day, I would have to drive over and I would have to meet clients and get them to sign everything. And then I'd have to, you know, either deliver it myself to the other agent or pray that the fax machine was working. Uh, What's that? Yeah, right. Exactly. God, you're so young. Um is to you know pray that the fax machine was working and that that th- and that their fax machine was working to receive it and to print it and you know it just it it was it was time consuming I won't yeah. say complicated but it was time consuming um, certainly now it's a lot less time consuming but at the same time it puts uh, it changes the emphasis on speed and the f- that that phrase that we use so much time is of the essence mm-hmm. um, back in the day. Uh, I didn't have to worry about if we were in a multiple offers and I had to get something to an agent in three hours and I hadn't even written it up yet. Right. But now, now I can, but um, because that ability is there, that kind of speed is sometimes either expected or um, you're just put on a, you're just put on a timeline on a, on a, on a deadline that um, makes it very, very difficult to meet. Right. Um, so technology is great. I mean, it, so long as you take the time to learn it and that's, um, you know, a lot of agents, not a lot, some agents have trouble with all the technology. They get a little overwhelmed with the technology. Um, you can still do it by hand, but I mean, it's just, I think it's harder. I would much rather be able to grab my phone and do something really quick while I'm sitting on my couch watching a ball game. Then, then have to. S- okay, when can you meet? I'll meet you at my office in an hour right. and a half. Like that stuff, just. Stop. Well, it's a lot easier when now you have autofill, mm. and you have 
you you can sure. preset contracts to wear things yeah. when you, you know it's a certain way. Right. Or heck, you can even have various contracts to where if it's being written in Westchester, if it's being written, whatever, that all the basics of those locations and everything sure. that goes with that is already there. Yeah, you can create templates that take care of 70% of the information that you're going to fill in, and then you right. just got to fill in the blanks. Right. And I think that's probably what most most agents who are busy and concerned with with their time efficiency, I think most agents probably do something along those lines. Yeah. So we're going to go sidebar for a second. All right. You like technology, but do you like the robots? Do you like what's going on with like AI technology and all that stuff? Um, God, I don't know if I've even thought about it, to be perfectly Ooh. honest. Ooh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's progress. Uh, it's progress. Man, that stuff scares me. Why? That freaks what scares me you? Out. What could possibly scare you about it? What do you mean? What? You can have AI technology you're teaching... You're programming it to teach itself and yeah. learn faster. I mean, I think that there's been experiments and things like that that's gone down where you'll take, like, the best gamer in the world, per se, right? And you'll be a, and it'll go against a robot, and the robot will mm -hmm. be playing, and the best gamer may get it the first time. But then it mimicked, it analyzed every single thing, taught itself how to best act that, and then the best sure. gamer hasn't even scored yeah. In soccer or whatever game that they're playing, right? So you're talking about a you're talking about a world though. This, Dude, we're talking you know, about you're talking about gaming. I, no, we're talking iRobot. Okay. That's I, what we're talking. I got to be honest. I, I I'm I'll I'll, I'll I'll claim to be the village idiot on this stuff. Oh, uh, I don't think about it much. I just look at it as progress and the idea that that a machine or a computer should learn should be able to learn from its mistakes and minimize mistakes. Um I think that's a step in the right direction. But through learning to minimize its mistakes, is it going to take advantage of our mistakes? No. Okay. At the end of the day, because at the end of the day, there are still just limitations on what a computer can and can't do. It can't reason. Not really. It can learn to minimize. It, it can learn to not make mistakes, but it can't. It can never reason. It can't feel. It doesn't. It, it's not the same thing. And and so I just I just don't believe that we're ever going to get that technology to the point where we are the disposable ones. Did you see the robot that was shooting? Uh, um, what what was he shoot? Well, he was uh. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. The Tell Russian. Them, yeah. So these Russians built a robot that can uh, that can fire a gun, even when it's like you can push it, kick it, knock it down. It'll get up and still be able to hit the target. It like, still finds you no matter what. With like ninety nine, basically one hundred percent accuracy. Right. Okay. It's They're nuts. all literally. If you're looking at a target, yeah. Center mass, the X, you yeah. know, the smallest circle. Yeah. It hits it practically every time because he's shooting cans. Yeah, shooting cans. Okay, this thing. Can't say I've seen it. It is the creepiest I thing I've seen that it, I've watched in a long you time. Could, yeah, I mean, that's that's like the future of domination. Like <laughs> you line up with a, in theory, a robot army of. It's like the drones, right? When the, we started drone sure. striking stuff. Yeah. Well, you throw that into downtown. Doesn't matter what us humans do. It's it's done. 
All right, I got I can't find the video, but I have a question. Do yeah. you think at some point we'll like how you were saying with drones, we'll just have you could get like the best gamer and then have him control like a, a Terminator robot and fight. Like that's a so good find, question, so, Jenny. So find a gamer. Or it doesn't have to be a gamer, but obviously, like, you would... Find a gamer, get him into the Pentagon, and he just basically games his own militia? Yep. Basically. Do you think it would ever get to that point? No. Whew. No, I don't. I mean, we're dropping bombs from, like... From our house. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen Jack Ryan? Has anyone seen Jack Ryan? Are you talking about on Amazon Prime? Yeah. No, so... No, I haven't. My wife and I, we do watch a lot of TV, and that is that is sort of in the queue. Um, but see, good. here's the thing. It's like, good. I would love to watch it. I'm ready to watch it. I, I'm I'm a guy who can watch multiple TV shows all at one time. My wife is very, very much, we're going to watch this, we're going to finish it. We're going to watch this, we're going to finish it. And we, I just think the subject matter doesn't interest my wife. The, 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 the suspense and thriller, th- it just doesn't excite her the way it does me. Yeah. So we're watching, we're waiting for the next Marvelous Mrs. Maisel to start. The so, what? Right. Yeah. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. <laughs> Great show. Great show. The main actress is a dime. Spot on. She's oh, yeah. spot on. Um, and we're watching Goliath with with I Billy Bob Thornton. Haven't heard of the, great, any of these. Great show. But yeah, no, Ryan. The the Jack Ryan thing. I'm almost to the point where I'm just gonna have to like start secretly watching it when she goes when she's already gone to bed. Because if I don't if I don't I don't think we're ever gonna start it. That's yeah. true. The only reason why I bring it up is because hey, this doesn't ruin anything. But the first season. There's a character that he is a drone operator, and he's like, he's killing people via drone, and it gets to him. So I don't know. See, I guess I don't look at, I don't watch stuff like that and think the way you guys do, because I just watch it to be entertained. I don't, I don't try to, I don't project it into reality and think to myself, oh shit, that's just a couple years away from actually happening. I think that's what makes it more suspenseful to watch is when you make it real right when you're thinking oh shit that could be that could be us tomorrow it kind of puts it in a different i don't know because i think people do use movies and tv shows to communicate with us in a in a weird way um i think that it's a i mean if you look back through history that was the way of communicating to mass populations ideas emotions things of that nature so I do believe that some of this stuff is is, is the ideas of where things maybe. Maybe I'm just naive. That could be. I I don't know. I just like I said. I don't spend. I just don't spend a lot of time and energy thinking about that stuff. Yeah. Hey, I'm an old man. I'm not gonna be around much longer anyway. So I figure I've already had a pretty good run. Yeah. Me too. Me too. <laughs> hey, no, for real. I woke up, and with the, when the temperatures have changed, I got. One leg that's 23, and I got one leg that's probably about 56. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I can't move that leg. Holy cow. That's me every morning. Let's dial back. Yeah. We're going back. Yeah, yeah. What type of experience do you have in the real estate world? Um, Boy, I don't know what you mean by that. What do you mean? So done, I know personally you've, done a, you've uh, manned or headed a lot of different positions. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, yeah so... You know, of course, when I started in the business, I just started off as just me, just trying to sell as many houses as I could and help as many people as I could. And, you know, not being from Cincinnati, that was a little challenging early on. Very, very hit or miss. Um, but then, yeah, I've I've worked 
So there was a period of time where I sort of stopped selling real estate and started working um, as sort of a back office person for a few of the few teams that have been set up where I didn't actively sell, but they had a team of agents who did. And then um, a lot of the paperwork and the coordination and um, all the stuff that sort of happens after a contract is originally uh, accepted. Uh, I took on those responsibilities for every deal for every agent that was on the specific team. Sounds like a pain. Well, I don't know if so much a pain. It's it's robotic in a lot of ways, but not you know it's real estate, so there's always wrinkles uh, that you don't necessarily see coming. But you know, I had enough experience over the first you know ten twelve years to where right. I'd, I'd seen a lot of things at least. Uh, you're always still surprised. Uh, how certain things happen or, or why they happen. But, you know, I'd had enough experience to handle just about every situation that came along, um, which I think was, you know, it's valuable in a position like that when they're, when, when agents are essentially handing deals over to you. And for the most part, really all they want to know after that is just tell me when and where the closing is going to be and I'll be there. Right. Right. Because they don't have to worry about that stuff anymore. They want to go on to the next deal, find the next client. Mm -hmm. So part of that job that I was doing was to free agents up to do some of that stuff. Right. So, yeah, that's. uh, I could not do that. Yeah. I don't know (laughs) if I could go back to it. Um, It was a good role for me at the time, just because, you know, in my life between, you know, my wife got sick in 2013 and a lot of things changed at that point and I had a stepdaughter who was in high school um, and I had some responsibilities around that to where the running around like you do as a real estate agent um, just wasn't really well suited for me right. at the time now once once she went back once she went to college and now we're empty nesters and my wife knows the business as well as she does it's a lot easier for me now. And I'm actually enjoying it a lot more than I did when I first started. Um, I'm enjoying it a lot more. But it just became a lot easier to do uh, given the time time requirements that it, that it just takes to it do it. It does take. It takes a toll. Yeah. It does. Yeah. I'll, yesterday I, I, I'm sitting at home and uh, I'd like nothing better than to crack open a beer and order pizza and and I get a text message from a client. Hey, there's this house I want to see. Right. Uh, I'm 20 minutes away. Is there any chance we can get in it? And then, you know, it would be very easy for me to say, nope, nope, nope. Can't get in it today, but maybe tomorrow. But when you look it up and you realize first day on the market, it's going to be a hot property. Probably already is. And there's nobody living there. Right. Well, I know that if I don't get out there right then, because I have the opportunity that house is probably going to be gone for this, for this client. And so next thing I know I'm texting her. Yeah, I'll be there in 45 minutes. I run upstairs, jump in the shower, put some clothes on and off I go. So yeah, that, that kind of stuff kind of throwing the monkey wrench into what your, your plans are for a particular day or a particular night. Right. But you know, we get paid pretty well for what we do. So that we do. And what you said showing the care for your clients that's one thing that i've always always appreciated from you because i've always looked up to you Uh, 
No, for real. You're you're one of those genuine agents. And everybody talks about how many agents there actually are in this industry and how sm- few of them do business, actually do mm. the business for the industry. Yeah. And then, I mean, I know a lot of genuine agents, but at the same time, it's even fewer <laughs> from the ones that do business that are genuine. Yeah, that's the old adage, right? 80% of the business is done by 20% of the agents. Right. And that's probably true because there's just there's lots of part-timers. There's part lots of people who just they went and got their license for whatever reason but right. they didn't they weren't really ready to take on the responsibility of being a full-time full service agent cuz it's it's hard it is it's hard and even you, no matter how long you've been in it it's hard those resp- you know what what was hard at the beginning may not be now but it's just it's always something different you'll probably laugh at this they said the average salary on BLS in a lot of people use that as oh what could i make potentially mm-hmm. was i think $46,000 a year. And I, I mean, I just did a presentation about this and I flat out told the class, <laughs> unless you have a big network and you're able to get something going, maybe join a team, whatever, whatever, you're probably not making that your first year. Not in your first year. I mean, that, I don't know. You know, it's there to be had. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, just ballparking the math in my head, 46000 you should be able to make 46000 on... 15 deals so barely more right. barely more than one deal a month um sounds about right i i find it hard to imagine that if you're putting in 40 to 50 hours a week legitimately and you're doing all the things they tell you to do and you're making the phone calls and you're really trying to network and you know that's that's the downfall of most agents is they think they want to network but they don't really want to put the energy in right. to network um or they feel self-conscious that oh, I'm calling my friends and I'm not calling to ask how they are. I mean, that might ha- be the, how the conversation starts. Right. But they know in the backs of their minds that what they're really doing is asking for business. business yep. And they feel bad about it. And it causes them to sort of shrink in the moment. Mm-hmm. And they don't actually end up maybe even making the phone call to begin with. Right. What a lot of them don't realize is your friends, like your real friends, your family, they want nothing more than to help you. But they don't know to help you unless you ask them to help you. And it's sort of that catch-22. They're willing to do it, but agents are afraid to ask for it. And so, you know, first, especially a first-year agent who feels like they don't necessarily understand the business very well that, or the industry. Um, and they're always afraid of being asked a question they don't know the answer to. Mm-hmm. And they're afraid of looking like a dope by saying, you know what, that's a good question. I don't know. Let me find out. That's really easy to do, people. I don't know. Let me find out. It's okay. I think that's a lot with everything in life. Yeah. If you don't know, (laughs) ask a question. Yeah. The worst thing you can do is be a dope and act like you don't, like you actually know. And then you, and then they go and they find out from some other way, some other resource. Rich didn't know what the hell he was talking about. Right. Clearly. And then that just destroys your credibility. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and speaking to our, uh, uh, our gender <laughs> males tend to sit there and uh, yeah that try, might be true i don't know try yeah. to be like oh i got it I- i'll handle it no worries right i it's, got this handled it's like asking for directions right yeah my family we do a christmas party every year uh it's at the same it's same little lodge some people hate it i tend to like it it's just one big hall and we mm-hmm. just throw up tables actually a couple years ago we started um 
pong tournaments. <laughs> okay. So everybody's playing pong. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just a good time and. Wait, I pong or beer pong? Well, we have kids, so it's pong. All right. Um, but yes, beer pong. I left early a few years ago, slightly early, not super early, and mm. I got home and was getting ready for bed, and I get a call. They want me to turn around and come back. I'm like, why do you want me to turn around and come back? Mind you, I would have to drive 45 minutes back the other way, so I was clearly not wanting to do that. They're like, well, the car won't start, and we don't know how to jump it. So it's okay. a it's one of the newer cars, and they couldn't mm-hmm. figure whatever, whatever. There's four guys trying to figure out how to jump a car. Hey, fellas, Google is your friend. Google, or I told them, did you look at the manual? Not one of them uh. thought to pull the manual out of the glove box, open it, <laughs> and check and see what's up. Sounds about right. Yep. Sounds about right. So then they were all like, oh, thank you so much. Have a good night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, yeah that, yep. that, that's what they needed you to come back 45 minutes for. <laughs> right. Awesome. Right. Awesome. Um, you mentioned uh, your wife came down with an illness. Yeah. And I, I've known you guys for a while, and mm-hmm. I've seen Susan pop in and out and whatever. Right. What does she, what does she fight? Well, she doesn't actually fight it anymore. It's not a disease. It's um, so what she had happen was she developed uh, what's called Guillain-Barre syndrome. So what this is is typically is triggered by person gets sick, typically a virus, say like mm-hmm. the flu, which was Susan's case. Like her her case was about as textbook as it comes. Um, so she had the flu. And so, as we all know, our immune system kicks in when we're sick. Right. Um, your body starts to produce white blood cells. So, red blood cells carry oxygen to the body. White blood cells fight off disease and viruses and stuff like that. So, your body gets in, starts ramping up its white blood cell production uh, to fight the virus. And then, once the body has fought that and gotten rid of it, um, the immune system starts to shut back down and the white blood cells start to ramp down, and then you're okay. Well, in Guillain-Barre syndrome, think of it like a switch. Right. The body forgets to turn the switch off on the immune system. So you're no longer sick, but your body is still continuing to produce high, high levels of white blood cells. Well, these things only know how to do one thing, and that's destroy shit. They, they find something to fight, and they fight it. And so for lack of a virus... Um, the next uh, easiest target is your own nervous system. Hmm. So it literally starts destroying your nerves. It's really painful. I mean, it sounds painful, right? I mean, it's really painful. Anybody who has any kind of neuropathy or anything like that can kind of understand what we're talking about here. But this is now throughout your entire body. And so what happens is it starts down towards your lower extremities and essentially begins to slowly paralyze you from your feet and then it works its way up to the shoulders. And so, like I said, for her, it was really quick, about 24 hours um, before she was, for the most part, paralyzed shoulders down. Um, couldn't stand up, couldn't, couldn't do anything, couldn't do anything. So, um, wow. admitted into the ICU. Um, she was in ICU for about three and a half weeks. 
Um, and then she spent four weeks in some pretty serious physical therapy over at the uh, over at Drake. Mm. So she was there for another four weeks. Uh, came out, walked like a ninety year old. She had a walker. She couldn't walk on her own. She had to use a walker. She had basically had to learn how to walk again. Yep. Um, and it takes about two weeks for the syndrome. Once you're in the ICU, it takes for about it takes about two weeks for the symptoms to start kind of reversing themselves. Mm. Uh, to where she started to get motion, she had to learn how to. She had to be, she had to be able to swallow without aspirating. Right. Um, she had to be. She was on a. Uh, uh, she was intubated for a few days because at one point, just her breathing, she, her diaphragm couldn't support her own breathing um, well enough, so they had to intubate her. It's a. Uh, it's horrible. It's horribly painful. Yeah. I mean, when your wife is laying in bed and they don't want to give her pain medication early on because then they have no choice but to intubate you. Um, they, you know, she's laying in bed screaming, just kill me now, all I want to do is die. It's, it's, a, it's a harrowing feeling yeah. um, to be sitting there with your family and friends and watching her and knowing there's absolutely nothing you can do for her. Um, it's miserable, it's miserable. And but it just kind of rewired her afterwards. So she used to be a very much a you know, high energy night owl and now, you know, she loves nothing better than to grab her glass, last glass of wine and head up to bed about 8.30, lay in bed with the dogs, play on her iPad, and eventually go to sleep. Like, it's just, it's completely sort of, like I said, it's just rewired her. Right. But uh, all in all, she's fine. Um, if you saw her, you wouldn't know that she'd ever suffered any from anything. And the crazy thing about the whole thing is you or me or t anybody is equally as likely to have developed it as she was. Hmm. And in fact, she's not immune from having it happen again. It's it's literally just a glitch where your body says, I forgot to turn off the immune system. It just, not there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do to prevent it. So it doesn't permanently damage you as long as you're treated. Right. I mean... Um, are there the rare instances where people have died? Yes. And the reason for that is, depending on how quickly the onset of symptoms are, some people are suffering from it. They don't realize it. They just think they're in pain for whatever reason. Um, and if it gets to the point where you're not in there, when your diaphragm no longer can afford, can no longer support your breathing because it's becoming paralyzed, I guess there's like the rare case of death. But, I mean, for the most part, no, you're just going to be... Um, you just you, you just go in and you get treated and, and it comes back. Now, there are some people who have lingering effects from it where they still feel some of that neuropathy, that pain in their nerve endings, especially in their feet. Mm -hmm. So for a long time, my wife would get shocks in her feet, just random shocks. She's gotten rid of that. She doesn't have that anymore. But there are still some people who um, don't, I guess, what you would call fully recover. Um and they still feel some of that stuff. I'm or it affects their walking. Glad she's not fighting that. No, really. yeah. I mean, she's she's lucky. I mean, yeah. she's lucky. We f we caught it. We caught it really, really quickly. Um, and got her in right away. And yeah. doctors knew exactly what to do. I would never know. It's weird. Anything. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, so the only reason we found, the only reason we kind of jumped on it is it happened so quickly. And I had been off working and doing whatever. And. You know, she was feeling some of those symptoms early in the day, 
uh, but didn't tell me. Mm-hmm. And then it's about six o'clock at night. And she says to me, you're not going to, bl- this is going to sound crazy, but I can't stand up. Yeah. And you know, I'm thinking, what the fuck are you talking about? You can't stand up. Get, stand up. She's <laughs> like, no, I'm telling you, I can't. I was, I was like, that's, I, I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. She's like, you know what? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it right now. I had a soccer game to go play. God, how stupid does that sound now? So I go and I play this indoor soccer match, and I come home, and now it's like 9 o'clock. Please tell me you won. I don't remember, probably. (laughs) We were pretty good. Um, So about 9 o'clock, she's like, no, really, I can't stand up. And I was like, all right, I'm going to help you stand up. So I walk over to the couch. I put my arms under under her arms, and I start to lift her, and I mean... She hits the floor like a ton of bricks. I mean, her her legs just gone, gone. And I'm all right. Nine one one. Here we go. She's like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. I was like, what are you talking about? Don't do that. She's like, let me just take a nap. I'll feel better after I take a nap. I'm bullshit. You're not gonna. You're not gonna <laughs> sleep. You're not gonna sleep off. Sleep oh, off leg I can't movement. stand on my own two feet. You don't sleep that off. So, but I humor her, and I'm like, all right, fine. Take a nap. So I'm just sitting there watching TV, and I'm thinking to myself, all right, in about an hour and a half or so, we're going to go through this exercise again. And I'm really calling 911. I don't give a shit what she says. So, And that's essentially what happened. Okay. Is that's, that's how we found out, was that she was still feeling it simply in her legs. Mm-hmm. She still had arm movement yeah. and all that. But, but within 24 hours of being admitted, she could barely, she could move her fingers and hands a little bit, but she could mm-hmm. pretty much couldn't move her arms. Right. And certainly couldn't move her legs. It's weird. It's well, just weird. Why are our loved ones the first people to sit there and be like, no, get up. You're fine. Come on now. Yeah, What's wrong well, with you? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's you, you don't know. What you, you, when somebody says to you, I don't think I can stand up. But they look completely, look totally healthy. Yeah. Like, what do you mean you can't stand? No, but you didn't fall down and break your leg. You didn't. Like, what are you talking about? Right. Like, it just doesn't compute. Well, and go- so then, yeah, I, I come off looking like an asshole. And then I have to apologize. Like, I'm sorry I didn't believe you the first time. Going through, uh, I don't know, I think it was third grade. Uh, I think it was third grade. I was in judo and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and my aunt picked me up while well, I was experiencing severe abdominal pains. Severe. Okay. And I was supposed to let the dogs in, but it was rainy, so I had to wipe all the paws, everything like that. And I was just sitting there, like, in tears, hunched over, shake, like, uh, she's like, suck it up, blah, 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 you know, just hurry up, hurry up. I had, my appendix had ruptured. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, right. "Ah." But (laughs) she felt so bad after it happened. Of course. Because you know these things happen. Right. But you never expect them to happen. Right. And you certainly don't know what to expect when they do. So you don't know how to react. Yeah. So you just react like, oh, Cody's being a baby. <laughs> Which oftentimes I am. I, I so believe that. So it's fine. Yeah. 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 How long have you guys been married? Uh, 15 years this past July. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. How's yeah. that been? Good. After a practice marriage, I think I got it down to where I can manage to uh, keep this one together. Uh, yeah. What was the divorce like with this practice marriage? Uh, ugly, sh- ugly. It wasn't great. Yeah, um, yeah it was. It, you know, we uh, 
probably yeah, looking back, you always say never should have been together. Right. Um, hindsight is twenty twenty. Always. Um, maybe we can get some AI to help some people not make those mistakes later. Oh, please no. Um, Let's not do that. Yeah. So, no, it was it was bad. I mean, I, I don't know how else to say. It just it was pro- probably pretty typical. There was some some thing we so we have a son together. Mm-hmm. Um, which always complicates things, right? Always, you know. Careful who you have babies with. Um, so, you know that all, that was complication. That that was a complication that was a, a bit of an issue and caused a lot of the ugliness. Mm-hmm. Was because of my son. So, we we don't have much of a relationship now, she and I, but yeah. we always will because of Michael. So you know. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. I think the the craziness that I was experiencing from her um, has certainly subsided over the years, thank God. But to say that we're friends would be a gross overstatement. Well, I think eventually we all just grow up. Well, yeah, or I we mean, hope. we just learn to live our we lives. Hope. I mean, right. and stop focusing. It, it's it's really easy to focus all your anger and hate and all that stuff that you feel towards the other person. And express it because you think because you think there there's no consequence to it anymore. We're not married anymore, so I'm really gonna tell this bitch what I think of her. Right. Or what, what <laughs> right. or what she thinks of me. Go get it. Yeah. I mean it's just it's that release that you're looking for. But you realize later it did nothing. In fact it probably hurt things, um, as far as our relationship goes post divorce. Um, I still have some resentment over some of the things she's said and done over the years and i'm sure she probably does too Mm -hmm. Uh, there's nothing constructive that comes out of that but in the heat of the moment it's it's natural to want to do those things and i just didn't have and she didn't either um didn't have the self-control to not pull the trigger on saying and doing some of those things Mm -hmm. and you know it's all it's hurtful and now it's just you know i don't i don't want any of that nonsense i don't need any of that nonsense I'm in a marriage now that I that I'm incredibly happy with. I mean, 15 years and I, I it sounds corny, I know, but every year it just seems like we're better and better. Like we've had our moments. We everybody has moments, but like we have learned we have learned each other well enough to know, yeah, we're kind of getting to that red line. Yeah. Um we can't we can't cross that red line. We got to stop. We got to figure this out. We got to you know, pick a room. Just you know, go somewhere. I'm not going to bother you. You're not going to bother me. Let's cool off. We'll we'll come back to this later. And if yeah. we get close to that red line again, then pick a room, <laughs> and then and we we figure it out. I like that. A lot of people tend to want to keep pressing. Yeah. I.e., that's when the blowups happen. And yeah, generally, and that's friendships. That's all of it, really. Sure. And um, I mean, I know. Me, if I need to cool off, like I just want to, I go for a drive usually and just go be by myself. Yeah. And a lot of people don't like the fact that I'll be like, I just, I can't do this. I, I got to go. You right. know, they look at it as. You're running away. Evading. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That you're running away. And yep. and yeah, I mean, and, that, and and to be perfectly honest, you know, my wife and I would have done that before as well. We just jumped in the car and then the other person is left sitting in the house feeling all butt hurt yep because they think you're trying to run away from them and that's really not what you're doing so no. then we just decided you know hey pick a room mm-hmm. shut the door and don't come out 
Yeah. Don't come out until you've really genuinely calmed down. Right. And when we meet back in the family room, hopefully we're going to be better. Hopefully we're good to go. Yeah. What was it like marrying into a family? Um, Because you didn't just marry Susan. No. Her family is great. Uh, I love her family. It's weird because I don't have a lot of family. I don't have any family around here. Um, my only really living family that I, that you can really speak of is my mother who lives in Florida, but we have no relationship. Mm. And my, my aunt who lives in Michigan, um, who I adore. Uh, but like Thanksgiving, Christmas, it's nothing but me and her family. Yeah. And thank God her family is awesome. I, I couldn't be any luckier to, to have the family that she brings with her. Right. Um, they've taken me in. Um, the weird thing, you know this story, and I'm going to tell it, is the crazy thing is my wife's maiden name is Davy, same as mine. So she was married once before, too, um, changed her name, and then, of course, got married and changed her name back to what sounds exactly and looks like her maiden name. So people don't think anything of it. Um, but yeah, they don't realize that my last name is Davy as well. Uh, the weird thing is her father's name was Richard Davy. <laughs> she married her dad. Her dad's name is Richard Davy. That's the epitome of the daughter looks for yeah, someone right. like her father. Yeah, that's, that's, that's perfect. Yeah, well, the, we we were very we were only really similar in name. Um, the crazy er thing is my dad's name is Donald Davy. So Richard's dad is Donald. Her father's father, Richard's dad, was Donald Davy. Yeah. So so when we get together, of course, I have to call my aunt to like her her daughter is the family gene the family tree uh, expert, and I, we're just please tell me that we're not please cousins. tell me we're not married or related. Just, please tell me this tree tell me the tree has branches and it's not all trunk, right? Because. Because <laughs> it's like this is gonna be kind of weird. Um, thankfully, no, we were n we're not we weren't related. So, but no, her family is her family is really really good. Yeah, I have a good time with them. That's awesome. Did you? Well, I guess did you enjoy adding kids <laughs> to you? Because you added a one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know, my wife uh, had a daughter. Mm -hmm. um, she was. About to turn four when we first uh, got together. So in a lot of ways, um, you know, I was sort of a father figure mm -hmm. to her, if not her father. Um, I had a big part in raising her, which sure. was great because my son lives with my ex-wife okay. in Arizona. So I, I, I wasn't a big part of the actual raising of him. So, you know, not that you can ever just interchange kids right. but right. i got to go through that experience of raising a child which mm -hmm. yeah i really enjoyed it um has its moments as all parents do but um for the most part yeah we have a, my my stepdaughter and i have a great relationship and i'm yeah. really happy about that that's awesome just real quick i want to transition to some news articles and then i'm gonna hit us with our most serious topic and then we're gonna be done Wait, well, I got some. I got a gnarly story about this man from Kentucky, Bart Allen Helmus, 39. He was in Thailand. He was in Thailand jail with his Thai girlfriend, 
and um, they basically escaped with a knife. And um, once the police like got a hold of them, he like shot himself in the head. And the reason why they were in jail was because they got caught trafficking one kilo worth of methamphetamines, which is 35 ounces. These are the Kentuckians, right? Yeah, these are people from Kentucky, where I am born. Where you're, what, what? I was born in Kentucky. Oh. Fun fact, I guess. Yeah, I'm going to keep my distance from you. But yeah. What? So, okay. Yeah. Smuggles meth, goes to jail, breaks out. Kills guards. Yeah, yeah, well, that kills guards. Let me, let me ask you something. Are you prepared for jail? I don't know. Right. Like, I, I, I joke about this, and, I, I, you know, it's, it's not really all that ha-ha funny, but I'm telling you right now, if I'm looking at time... I'm going like, to do something. If uh, I'm a do, do yeah, something. I'm getting out of that. I'm, I'm taking the easy way out. I'm gone, folks. So, y- so y'all are like prison escape, like to the max. Yeah, like you're ready. No prison escape. No man, I'm done. I've had I've, my my 47 years are it's over. I, well, I can't. I'm say not that. going to jail. I'm <laughs> not going to jail. I'm not Listen, going. I'm not. I am not, not going to jail. You're not a caged I will, animal. I will call the Clintons and I will ask them to Epstein. <laughs> <laughs> I will ask them to F Jeffrey Epstein. And Epstein didn't like kill himself, ladies not, and gentlemen. He did not. I'm not <laughs> going to jail. I've thought about this. I I just. I can't, I couldn't imagine surviving that. So let's say you know the cops are coming for you. All right, you did something crazy, and you're going to go to jail if they get you. Will you try some great escape, or you just call it quits right then and there? I'll just call it quits. Not even. No, wait, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. wait. There's a moment, right? Obviously, you try to escape. That's natural. That's, That's just human instinct. Flee. But you've also got to make sure, you got to know the moment when there is no more running and you still have the opportunity to end it, right? I mean, they're thinking, they've, they've thought this through because if they actually get their hands on you, you're done. You're not, you're not ending it then. Now, you may go to jail and you might try to end it there, but like, I, I don't, I'm not really looking to even get that far. And I kind of think that that's. But what if what true. if what if they've messed up? What if you're innocent? What if you're actually innocent of this? Like, do, you've got a decision to make. Do I trust the system enough to not fuck it up? Well, and not to mention his case. Well, not my boy Timmy right there, but in the guy's case, you're trusting a foreign system. Yeah. So not to mention, yeah, right. I, you add that to the mix. The, our system, sure. Do you add trust that it to or not? Mix. But then you're trusting a foreign system where yeah. you can't even speak their language, maybe? Yeah, right. Holy cow. No, I, 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 do I understand why people, like, I don't want to do, I don't want to do the suicide by cop thing. Like, I don't want, I would never, I would never want to take them out with go me. Go out in a blaze of glory. Yeah, no, uh, nobody has to go with me. <laughs> but I mean, I, I've thought, it, not, not, not in great detail, right? But I mean... I've thought about it. Like it's getting kind of dark here. It, on the do show. I want to? Would I rather just not be here versus being in the pen? Probably. Well, I mean, the dangers that come with the pen. Yeah, I'm out, man. I can't you, look at me. I, I'm, I'm not going to survive. I'm not. I'm not beating anybody up. I'm not protecting myself. Are you funny enough to get by, though? Not, 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 no, not you're even not the a, comedian. Not even a They're little not bit. Call you the comedian? No, not even a little. You got the bit. numbers, mind. You can help them with their uh, cigarette right. deals. Yeah, no, I think they got that whatever. figured out. 
I think they've. I'm got, trying. I think they've got that figured out. Got another one, Tim. Yeah, I'll give you one more. So uh, a 59-year-old Australian tourist has been killed by an elephant in South Africa during a camping trip. Well, it's trampled. Uh, yeah, basically. Okay. But so they were staying at a non-designated camping site, and then oops, an unfortunate incident happened. Basically, that's what the... Uh, is that unfortunate in quotation marks, or is that legitimately unfortunate? I, I mean, that someone died, so that's kind of unfortunate. Well, I mean, that is unfortunate. But, but uh, yeah. Whoever... So, the minister... Uh, let's see. Yeah, the minister or ministry of environment and tourism of South Africa said, this is very unfortunate incident and highly regrettable. That's, uh, that's all they said. Mm, that elephant has great regrets. Yeah, no, probably not so much. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, like, that's, uh, you, 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 right, there's all kinds of stories, right? Crazy ways to to have died. That's didn't they make a TV show about that? A thousand Did Ways that? to Die. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> a Thousand right. Ways to Die. That's right. Have you ever seen that? That's no, it. I've never seen it. That's a book, though, isn't it? Don't, didn't they also make a book of that? Oh, I'm not sure about I think that. they made the book and then the TV show. But, like, the TV show was nuts. Like, people were nuts. dying from... It. Didn't even hear about it. I, like, things that I could tell you and you'd be like, no, you're lying. They did. Yeah. I watched one episode, and they had, they had a girl. She bought a uh, string candy bikini or something, right? She was gonna get all spicy. <laughs> and the, the person ate the string. <laughs> this is horrible because somebody died, but they ate the string, like the candy, but ate the string, like the whole thing. Oh, and that's how they died. Why, I, mean, I don't even know what to say to that. Yeah, it's weird. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, and getting trampled by an, an elephant has got to be right up there too. That, and it's got to hurt. But you're in Africa. Why would you not be I mean, with people that like? Why would <laughs> Why would you be like, hey, let's go under yeah, this tree? Uh, There's no guards and blah 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 blah. Like you're in Africa. I don't know. I've never been there, so I can't really say. But I mean. Uh, I don't know what I, it's it's unfortunate. It's very and regrettable. And regrettable. And regrettable. And regrettable. And I'm so glad the elephant is in extreme regret over this happening. Yeah, probably not. They probably can't so. even find the elephant. That's a good point. That's yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's kind of funny though when they go find the alligators that like bite people and stuff and then they go kill the alligator. You know what I mean? It's it's not that's what it does. That's that's you know what I mean. It is an alligator. You're killing it for being an alligator. That doesn't. That's know, right. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of weird. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's its nature. Let's end this on some serious talk. You had a buddy that passed away from cancer, right? I did. About yeah. Two little more than two years ago. Years multiple ago. myeloma. What is that cancer? Um, boy, that's a good question. I don't even know if I rem- I don't even know if I know all the details as to what multiple myeloma is. Maybe Tim can help us out with that. Um, it's here's what I do know. Uh, Tom Brokaw suffers from it from NBC News. Okay, it is typically uh, a cancer that affects older people. Okay, it's rare for it to have affected him when he was in his early forties. Uh, and even when it does affect younger people, it's typically a very slow progression. Mm. Um, unfortunately, Aaron passed away uh, 
three, maybe four years after being diagnosed. Okay. Um, so yeah, he, he fought as, as best he could. Uh, but it just, yeah, it just took him over. Yeah. Uh, not much. He left a beautiful daughter behind, uh, 18 years old, just started her freshman year in college. Uh, but yeah, he was a, a childhood friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, we played basketball together. Um, hung out a lot. It was, it's one of those things where when you watch it, it happening and you're there at the ho- at the hospital just, you know, uh, in those final days mm-hmm. and, and I was able to be there um, along with some, a lot of other friends. It, the, 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 fina- the finality of it really hits you hard yeah. to think to yourself, that could just as easily be me laying in that bed. Like, it's the classic, why him? Why them? Why not me? Same thing I went through with my wife. I would have traded spots in that hospital bed with her in, in a heartbeat, a heartbeat yeah. if it meant that she wouldn't be in pain anymore. But you realize just how quickly it can all get taken away. And it, it gives you sort of, it, it has to give you an appreciation for for not being in that situation and being hopefully relatively healthy um, and being able to live your life and, and not take anything for granted. Um, and we've all been touched by cancer, uh, obviously, course, yep. uh, you notwithstanding. Um, we've all been touched by it somehow with somebody, and we've probably all known somebody that we would consider within our closest sphere of friends and family who have probably died from it. Mm-hmm. And... If that doesn't, like I said, if that just doesn't give you an appreciation for what you have versus what you don't have, um, I don't know how to help you. Isn't it weird how in life we focus on daily stresses opposed to the daily triumphs? Sure. Yeah. And it's it's quite a pessimistic view that we as a race have, and it's you know it's kind of sad because this life we have one shot at it. You know, it's uh-huh. a very precious. It's short, but it should be long enough. Yes. Yes. I know that you've been around a lot of my friends who were with me. Well, I didn't. Uh, four people that were with me while I fought. Right. What's it like? Because I know their perspective. But what's it like watching somebody fight? Um, it's hard. It's hard, again, because you, you, you can't really relate. Mm-hmm. You know, if um, somebody gets the flu, if somebody sprains an ankle, right? Oh, dude, that sucks. Because mm-hmm. we've all been there. Yep. This is not. This is not something that you can can relate to in any way. You don't know what's going on inside their body. Most importantly, you don't know what's going on inside their head. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think we put on on people that are that are dealing with this uh, and and trying to fight I think we on the outside can sometimes put too much pressure on some of these people to continue the fight I think there is nothing braver than somebody saying I can't fight anymore yeah I need to I just need to let this play out Mm -hmm. and and take its course um, because they have fought and they are exhausted yep. from it. 
and but we want to say no you got to keep fighting there's always you, know, you don't know what's going on inside their heads you can't you can't live that for them um and so uh, from the outside i think you just have to learn how to trust them as to how they feel and how they want to move forward um and support whatever decision it is that they make right um well, and those are some of the selfish reasons. I mean, nobody wants anybody to die. They want that right. person to stay around. So yeah, I want Aaron here all the time. That's right. the bracelets Brace, I wear. Yep. It's, I, yep. That's because of Aaron. I haven't taken these off in two and a half years, and I don't see them coming off anytime soon because I was being selfish. Right. I want Aaron here. Right. Um, but Aaron said, I just can't do this anymore, bro. Yep. Okay, I got. I have to learn how to respect that. Yeah, and I wish that some people. I, I just think it's hard for people to accept it. It is. It's not easy. After cancer, I got the question: What would you do if cancer came back? And I used to look at those people and be like, "Why are you asking me? Like, I just got done <laughs> beating yeah. this. That's, Can we just let the cancer thing rest?" That's and not, borderline rude, right? But I entertained it. Mm-hmm. And to most of their surprise, I told them I would probably not be in a hospital bed receiving chemo if cancer came back. Due to the lack of quality of life, I would like, I would much rather, and, and I don't know, Lord, please forbid that this happens, but I don't know what I would ultimately choose, but I would like to think sitting here today, if I had it all over again right now. Yeah. I would probably spend my life traveling, doing whatever, and then wherever it takes me, it takes me. And because I feel hopefully I could be around maybe at different periods with somebody, right. maybe get one last week, mm. like maybe you and I go to a bar and then Timmy and I go to something and then, you know, mm -hmm. in, in different cities or whatever, right? With the people that I care about. Right. And then that's and then of course that's it. the answer is always a function of the treatability right. of what we're talking about. But I get what you're saying. If it's like like a, if this was, yeah, if you suddenly found out you were stage three something, heart cancer or some pancreatic crazy cancer, or whatever, yeah, you know, prostate, like, whatever. Like the idea of simply saying, "I'm going to take what I got left, mm -hmm. and I'm going to do everything I can with it." Right. And when it's time, it's time. It's not what people. It's not what other people want to hear, but right. ultimately, it's not their decision either, well, and they have to respect that. Well, it's one of those things where, especially having fought it, you have a different perspective. Oh, I can you, only imagine. You're sitting there, and you're going through ten months plus of fighting, and now I've been blessed to be in other patients' lives. And yes, I think right. that is a blessing because their faces light up. You know, and, and sure. you see it. There's just a change in mood. And I've been in their bed. That's right. Where I know what it feels like when somebody visits you. Right? right. I know what it feels like to be on that other side. And to sit there and do it all again, you know, I just you think because it does, man, it weighs. It's, it just your whole life stops. Sure. You stop yeah. everything you like. It's it stops. And if I wasn't 14 to where I could play Call of Duty every single day. I huh. don't know how I would have handled it. Um, you ran an Ironman, right? I did. Yeah, how'd one, that go? I've, got, I've done one full. How'd that how go? How did it go? Yeah. I finished. 
That was that, the that's goal. all that matters. That was all that mattered. Yeah. You're, so I did it in 2015 down in Louisville. You're Tony Stark in the flesh. Um, well, I don't know what. I wish I'd, I wouldn't mind being that guy. <laughs> um, so yeah, just uh, I started running. I started endurance sports back in 07 after my second ACL surgery. Yep. The running bug kicked in. So for a long time, all I did was run, and I was swore to my wife. I promise I'm never going to do triathlon. I promise. And in 2013, I went back on my word and I started dabbling in triathlon because I just kind of got bored with just running. Mm -hmm. So I thought, yeah, sure, let's swim and bike too. Problem is, I don't, I did, I shouldn't say I don't swim. I, I, I wouldn't have ever called myself a swimmer. Okay. I was, I, I, I was somebody who I won't drown, but I, I can't, you can't call me a swimmer. So I did, I took lessons with a firefighter from Fairfield at the YMCA, took a couple lessons and then just practiced and got better at it, got su sufficiently good at it to where I thought I can do races now. And one thing led to another, started just like, just like with running, started with short races and built it up, built it up. And then finally in 2015, I decided to pull the trigger and I'd already done a couple of half Ironmans, mm -hmm. uh, but then I decided to, yeah, let's, I got to do one full got to do one full Ironman. So in 2015, I trained for about nine months with the help of a coach and a couple of friends who would go out on the weekends with me for long bike rides and stuff yeah. like that. And yeah, I did one. And one of these days, I'd like to do another one. Uh, I haven't gotten around to it. So I'm, it's on the menu. It is. Uh, yeah. It's on the, it's, it's, yeah, let's say, yeah, I don't know. I want to, I want to. It's just, it's just a matter of getting back to it. It's, so it's so time consuming. Yeah. The the training and what is the training like? So you know I'm about to go yeah. through another walk for hope. Yeah, you are. You know, and um the whole idea is that no patient is walking alone. Right? That's yeah. it's symboli it's symbolic right. for that. So well, I would just tell you like in general terms, not just Iron Man specific, but just general endurance sports. Um, number one, get comfortable being inside your own head. Because um, you're going to spend a lot of time on your feet, uh, you especially, uh, a lot of time on your feet. And you're going to have, you know, music can only drown out so much because um, your daily life will will be a part of that. And, mm -hmm. and for me, when I first started running, that was a good thing because I could spend time out on the roads just kind of sorting shit out right. in my own head. Yeah. Um, and funny thing is, I would I would go through these things and I then or I'd think to myself, oh, I got to remember to do that or look that up when I get home. And then by the time I got home, I'm, I'm completely forgotten. Um, but it does. You do kind of get an opportunity to to learn about yourself because you're it's just you and your brain out there and and you have conversations. Um, so get used to being inside your own head. Um, Time is the big one, and the accountability is the biggest one. Mm -hmm. And that's where having friends um, who will help support that journey becomes so important. Right. And here's the thing. like, I might go out. I, I might have gone out for an 80-mile bike ride. Let's call it that. And then after my 80-mile bike ride, I need to put on my running shoes and go out for a one-hour run. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I wouldn't necessarily always ask somebody to go do all those things with me. I might have somebody join me just for the run. Mm -hmm. 
because they're not going to go ride 80 miles with me. But I knew that the run was going to be the hardest part. Yep. So if you like when you're doing your thing and you say, hey, I'm going to go walk for, you know, it's a long it's a long, long training day for me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go do uh, I'm going to go out to the VOA. I'm going to walk for eight hours. Right. Let's just throw a number out there. You don't have to have somebody there with the full eight hours. Mm -hmm. Find somebody who's going to show up for hours four through five and find somebody who's going to be there because that's right. The middle part is hard. Like yep. you get to the middle part of that day and you're like, I could just shut this all down right now and just call it a day. And nobody would know. Nobody would know. That's when you have the doubts like, oh, am I really going to make it to eight hours? Mm -hmm. So have somebody there in the middle and then have somebody there for the last part of it to just kind of push you through the end. I mean, if you can find some some true training partners um, just to help you through some of those tougher moments, that's that's really that's really important. And I would probably uh, encourage you to uh, find who that support group is um, and, and make sure you plan ahead and let them know, hey, I'm I'm going to need your help. Yep. I'm going to need your help. Yeah, I second that. My dad, he walked five hours straight with me mm -hmm. as one of my last hurrahs before yeah. I embarked on the first one. Right. Um, but with the ones that we have slated, we got a lot of walking to do. Yeah, so, you do. Yeah. You and, know. You, you know, you just got to plan. A you just got to planning is a lot of it. Yep. Um, is making sure that you've got the the right place and time and and all that stuff uh, to do it to do it safely, because you can't just go out walking on the roads for. No, for eight hours, you, cannot. you look like a damn hitchhiker. Yeah, and it's really boring walking in circles, but it's the safest. Learn, <laughs> so. learn to love it. It's the safest, but yeah. you're on the docket now. I'm gonna put you on there Fine. for a little I'm bit. Down. I'm down. So thank you so much for coming in. Hey. It was fun, yep. guys. Hit that subscribe button. DM us if you know of anybody that wants to be on it. We're all out. It's no time to be standing still. Someone else will